Hi guys, it's Brody from The Wellness Guy here in Australia. Um, I'm going to be interviewing um, a really good friend of mine, um, meeting him for the first time virtually um, here in Brisbane and he's in Sydney. He's Kieran from Breaking Barriers and we'll be talking about in depth about loneliness. So morning Kieran, how are you going? Hey, I'm going good thanks Brody. how are you going mate? Yeah, really good thanks. So just to dive straight into it so that people know what we're talking about. What does your definition of loneliness mean to you? Yeah, well, I think loneliness is, is something which is just, it's it's very like kind of inconspicuous. So it's, it's something which um, not everyone can kind of see or perceive with their own eyes because, you know, there's people go through like varying degrees of loneliness as well. Like you might be um, surrounded by people or you might be living like a, a totally normal life. Um, and, and have people around you, but at the same time feeling like you're just not working towards any goals with people or feeling like you're not achieving anything which is meaningful to you. Um, and I think loneliness is just something which is can be so damaging to people because I've recently been um, reading this book uh, called The Domesticated Brain by Bruce Hood, and it's really interesting. It's, it's actually on um, – developmental psychology and he talks about the fact that uh we we as like intelligent human beings actually have evolved to be social like we've actually evolved um in conjunction with other people to 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 actually um to be to be social and and to be codependent on each other um and he goes so deep into loneliness in this book um and the repercussions that are entailed by loneliness like say for instance he talks about how like Basically, he he mentioned case studies about stuff like, for instance, um, one of the most gruesome forms of torture is putting people in into solitary confinement because basically that deprives you of every single fundamental um, trait of what it means to be human. You basically you're left to your own devices. You you have not a soul in sight, and you're basically left by yourself just to just to to sit with yourself, and you don't even have any um, people around you, no social engagement, and in this study, he mentioned that people who who go through loneliness, like apparently some people in prisons or people who have been through the war, they would actually prefer torture over loneliness. So loneliness is so fundamentally damaging to people that people would prefer bloody torture over loneliness, which is which is so gruesome when you think about it. And he gives an example. Uh, if anyone's watched the movie castaway and you've got tom hanks on it you know castaway where he's he's left on an island and you know he's he's there and basically he's um he he has no social interactions and he has to basically find a way to basically animate the the external world so he has the soccer ball and he gives a soccer ball like he paints um eyes on it and gives it hair and he calls it basically wilson and wilson becomes his best friend and the thing is it shows that humans are so codependent that he befriends this ball called wilson gives it a personality and basically inflicts his version of of a, of a reality into this ball and becomes such close to, so close to it that when he's um you know it's hard, everyone knows that heartbreaking scene when He's out in the ocean and he's basically flowing um, on top of this, uh, floating on top of this makeshift um, raft, and and then a big wave comes and dumps them, and and Wilson flows away and and floats away onto the ocean, to the, like to the horizon, and and he starts crying and 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 swimming after it, and you know it's just it's so crazy. I'm getting the chills as I talk about this because it's so it shows that there's that that instinctual yearning for connections and for for other people to be around you and 
basically just to find yourself in a situation where, you know, um, like you say, you know, you're living in, in Brisbane, there's, there's quite a few million people there in Sydney, I think there's four or 5 million people. And it really makes you think to yourself, well, if there's, if we're living in such an interconnected, densely populated city with like bloody 5 million people, why is it that so many people are experiencing loneliness? And it really makes you think, well, well, what is it? Is it, is it a reason? Is it something that like we as individuals are fundamentally flawed? Is it, is it the reason that like, is it a societal thing? Um, it just, it really makes you think. And, um, I really want to touch on this this quote by Johan Hari, who who mentions in his book Lost Connections. Um, he he delves deep into loneliness, and I've shared this I've shared this quote with Breaking Barriers Australia, um, where he says he quotes that um, loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people. He said it's the sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone else. Um, you might have lots of people around you, perhaps even a husband or a wife or a family, or, or even a busy workplace but you don't share anything that matters with them, then you'll still be lonely. And I think that's so fundamentally important, just grasping that message. The fact that, yes, we can have people around us. Yes, we can feel like we're part of this social network where, you know, we're, we're basically working, uh, we're, we're, we're doing shit. But at the same time, there's that empty part inside of us because we're not doing anything meaningful with anyone. Like, and, and to me, that underscores a really big, balance between the individual and like and the outside world which basically means that that like the outside world can be can be so um so damaging and so destructive in the sense that we live in a society like sydney where it's like you know be a good little worker be a good little student go to uni go to work get your money get your degree like all you should do is save up for a house which in sydney is completely unaffordable unless you inherit millions of dollars or unless you're you're a bloody millionaire you're not gonna be able to afford a house so basically people are basically succumb to a to a to a negative system or like a situation where they're never going to be able to to get ahead in life and the thing is it just seems like society seems to kind of dig this hole and they dig a hole and kind of push us into it right and we're kind of stuck in this hole and it's really, really hard to get out. And for someone like me, like right now, I'm with you in, in, on this uh, podcast, Brody. I, I have a strong innate sense to connect with people. And I think so many other people do as well. I'm not alone. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I might come across people my age, like I'm, I'm 27. Um, and I come across people my age, whether it's like through, you know, activities I do or just meeting people in the town or whatever. And I might have a really strong connection with them and, and really, you know, the, the the sparks are flying I, I meet someone really cool like very interesting person mm. and like in person like one-on-one they will be like you know your best friend they'll be really friendly they'll be really excited to see you and and things are great right and and like you know it's um basically we'll be having a really good conversation with them but then you know when it gets to the point where you might want to like invite them to go bushwalking or go out um or like you know basically int- i go camping with a lot of friends and hiking and i do lots of fun things and i might invite them or get them on social media and you'll never hear back from them uh, and th- like this isn't just one time this has happened this is two three four five times um you know like i i meet people that are so interesting so fascinating mm. the beautiful people who have so much to offer the world but it gets to the point where I feel like people are just so busy and so caught up in their minds that 
and 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 people are battling a system where they have to graduate and work and and it's just that's what happens Brody they just they just get sucked into this negative toxic cycle and 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 one leads to another and and that's that's my interpretation of loneliness yeah that's incredible and there's so much insight um in what you said with I guess a lot of people have lost their identity with losing their job of course losing their business um with COVID and and I think loneliness and social isolation um, comes into it. So I was just wanting to see what your, I guess, perspective of um, social isolation with COVID and obviously mm-hmm. um, loneliness just in touch base with, I guess maybe we can talk about maybe the last maybe two, three months dealing with Sydney with what you've, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know that you've, you're doing OT and you're doing a lot of other things as well mm-hmm. and keeping up. With things so what's your i guess um perspective on does social isolation um help um loneliness or with covid like i'm trying to get that perspective because i've been reading a lot especially in victoria mm. i did this research just quickly um about i think it's like one in three adolescents ex- experience really hard um loneliness yeah, of course. I mean, it, I think it's something which is which is so damaging to people because the thing is, like, I think there are people who naturally like to kind of um once they've gone to like um their uni or their workplaces or whatever, they they like to have that that space to themselves where they can kind of debrief and unwind and you know take off the mask, so to speak. Um, and and I think that that's just a natural balance between between your working life and and um, and student life and and all your like you might have works um, studies um, and your social commitments as well or might catch up with a few friends and and that's people's threshold that that's their limit but then basically um, with COVID it's mm. getting to the point where they can't even go and physically see other students or their their <laughs> colleagues or their friends and and that that little bit of of human inter- interaction which keeps them afloat mm-hmm. is kind of gone. And I think that we're really, really lucky um, to have um, the internet um, mm. and, and to have Zoom. And like, look, right now, like, I feel like I know you so well, Brody. Like, we've, we've um, spoken quite a lot over the phone. Um, we're virtually in front of each other right now. Um, and even though it's not physically in the real world, like, we're, we're seeing each other in real time. We're right next to each other. And it, and it does replicate very similar what it's like to get engaged and be with people in the real world right mm-hmm. um however yeah i think that it's just basically um it's it's not exactly ideal but it's close it's it's as close to the ideal world as we can get and we're so lucky that in you know 2019 to 2020 um basically we're we're at the point within our technological advancement that we can do this and we can um move things online and for me in particular I, I was doing university studies and, and basically it went online and I was like, um, you know, I was going to uni in the past and doing like really complex studies in, in neurology um, and, and rehabilitation. And, and we do need physical items like assessment scores and, and different like fine motor skill things to use as well to, to, for assessments and interventions and stuff like that. However, um, going online was a little bit, a little bit tricky. I thought I'll be a little bit like shortcomed with that. But at the same time, I found that it was actually really um beneficial for me being online because i was participating more online i was reading more doing the work more because you have to do it you're fronted up you're 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 actually on the screen and people are seeing you and you you there's no way of sucking off you can't just sit in the corner of the class and not speak and i it's it's strange and i think that i would love to see um 
academics do studies on this, but like mm. I found that since um, COVID went online, I was more social um, online. I was more um, I was more interactive. I did more work. So so I was lucky that I, I had a chance to do um, to do like my studies online. However, I know that I'm uh, I'm a individual case everyone has their own cases and I think that it's affected so many people in regards to like look if you look at like people's biggest values what means the most to them so you've got like their their workplace their friends their 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 goals and and for a lot of people their goals it might be creative arts like they go to pottery like my girlfriend's really massive one she does Brazilian jiu-jitsu um and she's massive on she loves it and she recently got a chance to do um, to do that for the first time yesterday after a three month break. And, and that's what keeps her on, on, on point. That's what keeps her focused and, you know, working towards her goals because she, you know, you move up the belts, like she's part of an amazing community as well. Um, but like, you know, if you look at another thing as well, like, um, I think that even people who, who are from religious backgrounds and have like strong faith, like I think for a lot of people, their spirituality um, is so important whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or Jewish or Buddhist. Like it doesn't matter. Like going to a temple or a mosque or a church, these things are what it, for them. It's their spirituality. It's their connection to a higher power. It's their community. And to, to all of a sudden be told that that you can't do that, you're not allowed to go to your temple or church. That that I think that for some people is just so such a hard challenge because it feels like part of you is just being taken away, right? And for me, I was very lucky because my connection is through nature. And I go, during the lockdown, I wasn't impacted all that much, but because I was going out and, you know, bushwalking and mountain bike riding and I spend a lot of time in the bush. I live out by the bush um, as well. So, like, it's I was very, very fortunate in that regard. But there are some people who don't live by the bush that can't go to their church or they can't do all these things. And and it's 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 tough, man. Like, it's it's tough. Like, everyone wants to feel connected and and I think that like there's a, there's a recent study I just put out in Breaking Barriers how I saw on the ABC News this morning um, there are people in Israel who because they can't hug their children and they can't hug their partners they're basically um, hugging trees and yes. I love I'm that man like I, I hug trees like I I'm I'm not afraid to say it I think we should remove all the stigma who cares hug a tree when you when you hug a tree it feels like the tree is hugging you back like. Yes. Um, and, and, and like for people who like don't have much background in this, like plants are living beings, they're living entities. Like, you know, they did a study where they showed two plants. One was verbally abused and, 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 and harassed and it died after a week. And another plant was praised and said, I love you. You're growing so well. And, and that grew even more. And like, it just like our connection with nature is so fundamentally like, um, profound. And basically having that connection to nature is something which is so important. But um, yeah, hopefully like people are learning that yes, you can go hug trees. It increases the oxytocin, which is um the feel good hormone chemical of belonging and peace and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, you, you know, people are learning that, wow, like we're part of this big organism and we're part of nature and people are getting out. When I was in Sydney, I was hiking. I saw so many families out by the bush. So Amazing. many. Yeah. And even though, Yes, I did see a lot of people suffering. I did see like it was during the the intense lockdown, it was quite often that you would see people crying in their cars. Like I or not only crying, but just like 
on the uh, on the the verge of crying like on the edge like like looking so sad like they're having the worst day of their life and i saw that so much and my heart really went out to all those people but like i think that it like look it, it depends which way you look at it um like say for instance if i you know the 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 symbol like the the number 9 if i were to show you 9 like depending on which way you look at it it's, it could be a nine or it could be a six. That, that That's our perception of the world, right? So like, it, I really think it's the way you spin a story on COVID. So for, for me, it's like, it's been an opportunity for growth. It's been an opportunity for, for being settled, for reconnecting. I have reconnected with a lot more people than I haven't had in the past. I was much more family orientated. Um, and, and it just, it, it just showed me what my values are and showed me what, what's important to me. Right. And, and essentially, I think that's what, what I think that a lot of people have done as well. But, you know, un- unfortunately, if there are people who have said, oh, I hate COVID, it's ruined my life, like, you know, yeah. um, like, uh, you know, this is the worst thing in the world, well, then you, you can put that spin on it, but it's not going to help you. It's not going to be something which is beneficial. And, and I know it's unfortunate. I know it's sad. And I can't, I mean, I can't speak for everyone. People, some people have lost everything. But, like, another thing which I think is so particularly uh over like really um amazing when you think about it is the fact that for the first time it's something that we can kind of bond over like yeah everyone has suffered the same to some degree there is no one who hasn't suffered unless you're like living out in a cave in the middle of the himalayas you have not been unaffected by covid and everyone has you know you know like and especially being in this western world in australia um i think that we can have privilege. Um, you know, we do have services and stuff which the developing world don't have. And I was actually, how's this, bro? I was actually in India right before the lockdown happened. I led, I left India right before it happened. I was traveling through the Himalayas um, um, in February, um, early February, and I was there for two weeks. And I, and this was before, like when I had left and booked this at the time, it was an epidemic in China. It wasn't a pandemic. So it wasn't irresponsible of me to travel at that time, but it was certainly getting more rough and stuff like that. But in India, you see people who are like really suffering. Like, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. you see the, the real, real hard side of, of humanity. When you go to India, you see, you see beautiful things, but you see really hard things. And in Australia, you know, you do see that as well. Like I recently did a five week clinical placement in southwestern sydney and i saw some of the roughest things you can come across in all of sydney like i saw tremendous mental illness and tremendous did like people who are disadvantaged people who from very like complex multicultural backgrounds and and people who have uh, troubles accessing our healthcare system so you do come across that in australia but like basically um you know i feel like now no matter whether if you live in like in sudan or whether you live in Germany, Australia, America, like it doesn't matter who you are or where you live, people have been affected in some way from COVID. And that's a way that like we can bond with each other rather than separate with each other. So, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, like there's a, there's a threshold to conversations and stuff. And usually it's kind of like before you go up the pyramid and hierarchy of like, you say, Oh, Hey, where, like, where are you from? You know, like, Oh, how's the weather? Or like little small things like that. Maybe in the future, um, we might meet someone from a different background or we might travel somewhere and, and who knows for the rest of our lives, 
one conversation we'll have with someone uh, to break barriers will be like, oh, how, what did you do during COVID? Or oh, this happened to me during COVID. And COVID could be something which is like a social lubricant for us to bond and connect with each other. You know, so, so that's my interpretation of, of COVID and how it's affected people. Everyone's so individual. I can't speak for everyone. I don't know everything. I'm just giving my, my experience on it. But that's basically what I've experienced so far for me. That's incredible, mate. And, um, and obviously OT is something that I'm still learning what OT is because for me, um, like, you, you know, with my experience with mental health and learning disabilities, OT plays a big part of just daily functions mm-hmm. and, 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 and you've, um, you've made that, I guess, your mission to help people holistically and, and go elsewhere. So I didn't know, I know you went to India in, um, to, to some villages and you went, you brought nature and you brought, um, you were, I, I was reading in your biography about that. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about what you were doing in India for the people to, um, Yes. Yeah. So basically at the time I was basically, um, uh, just traveling, doing a bit of hiking. I know, I know some, some friends there. Cause I went, I basically, uh, a few years ago, I went traveling, um, through India and, um, I met some amazing people in, in like a little small Himalayan, the foothills of the Himalayas called, um, Rishikesh. And, um, I went, basically went there, um, back to go see him and hang out with him. Um, and basically, uh, just go catch up with him. And uh, there was another, um, a spiritual teacher I know um, called Muji who just basically talks about like going within and all that sort of stuff. So I, w- I went there to go see him for, cause you could kind of call it like a spiritual retreat for a bit. Um, but basically it's, it's funny because like, um, yeah, there, there's such a vast comparison between, between India and, and, and Australia. And I feel like, like over there, um, it's kind of like the the social and cultural nuances are much different from they are over here. Like it's quite common that when you're walking on the street to go up to someone and just, just basically speak and, and like that, there's no, there's no barriers in the way in which you can basically get to the chance of meeting someone. So like, if like, you know, basically in Australia, like if we, um, if we want to speak to someone, we, we have to basically get to the point where we establish rapport with, with them. We have trust with them um, besides for work and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's a bit like, you know, your radar goes like beeping. If you basically meet someone on the street and someone comes up talking to you, you're like, oh, what are they trying to do? You know, are they trying to sell me something or whatever? Whereas exactly. in India, it's different. People will just come up to you and just be like, oh, look at your shirt. Oh, that's a shirt. What shirt? What shirt is that? Oh, you know, where are you from? Or like people just talk and, and you might have a tuk-tuk driver who are the taxi drivers and you're driving along and then all of a sudden he stops and just gets in this yapping conversation and starts having a yarn with the guy next to him. And they're having the best conversation of their life and they're laughing and they're, they look like they're best friends, right? And they look yeah. like they've known each other for life. And then he'll stop and go speak to another person. And it's so funny, from my Western point of view, I would say to the, to the driver, did you know that fellow? Did you know him? And they're like, no, it's just someone I was asking for directions. And the thing is, they, or like in my, this isn't, obviously there's a billion people in India. Um, so I'm not speaking for everyone. It's a very complex um, country. Um, like you do have big cities just like Sydney over there. But from my experience where I was, a lot of people from Indian backgrounds have um, a, so- a social lubricant about them where they can just disconnect. You know what I mean? They, they can just, um, just just talk and chat and speak. And, and, and that can be good and it can be bad, you know, like, you know, like, but um, I, I'm, I'm aware that like, um, you know, in like, in a lot of 
uh, Eastern languages, um, basically, the, the, there's there's no there's no word for for I over there as well. Like there's no word to say I because I in the sense of like me I is in relation to something else. It's in relation to a to a vast bigger community or to a bigger family. Um, so so that's the there's so much there's so much differences to learn. And in fact, in in it's interesting in the domesticated brain with Bruce Hood, I was reading that apparently I think it's in Mandarin in Chinese. Um, Basically, uh, there is no word for I, and the closest word you can get to I is um, is selfishness, which which is which is so interesting. That it's the way you look at the world and the way that you're brought up, that cultural sort of thing. And and yes, like we do have great communities over here, and we do have um, really good people here doing great things and stuff. But like, there's there is a massive difference between the blend of like um, the east and west over there. But like. Um, that's the thing, like when, when you're in India, like back to the loneliness, um, um, like theme, uh, basically in India, um, they have so many like communities, they have so many, um, like arranged marriages, like their Hinduism, their rituals, basically when you're, when you're born into India, if you're born in India, you're, you're basically born into this massive social human network. And like, like I said, there's good and bads to anything, and there could be good, there could be good things about this, or there could be bad things. And but basically, um, you know, like uh, to know that you're part of a massive community, and who you are as an individual is a community. Like with these um, arranged marriages and things like that. Like basically, um, like it, it it ends up working really well for them. If you if you look up the, I'm not a professional with all this, but if you look up the rates the rates of um of divorces in countries with arranged marriages are nowhere near the 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 amount of the divorce rate in in the in the US or Australia like in i think in the US um something like uh 40% of people get divorced or something like that with marriages wow. so it's it's very vast and you have to understand why and where this comes from and and yet i can probably tie that back to the fact that there's so much underlying mental illness in our society. People try and get you to, to live a life which is so unsustainable. People try and get you to work hours and burn out. And um, I was looking into this um, yet again, back to the domesticated brain book. Um, I can't help but look at things from a scientific point of view. And also he has so many fun facts. He has so many fun facts in his book. He's talking about the concept. There's a psychological concept called ego depletion. Um, and ego depletion means that basically – there is so much of yourself that you have to be um, basically um, wired and focused and you have to um, uphold this version of yourself for so long during the day. And basically it gets to the point where, you know, you're having to put so much energy into your persona and into who you are that basically when it gets to the end of the day, um, when you experience ego depletion, that's when you're most likely to make like your, your, inhibi- your inhibition, your ability to have self-control is lowered. So by the end of the day, you might go to the shops and you're like, oh, you know, I'll just buy a lolly or I'll just buy chocolate or I'll just buy a pizza because your level of self-control has gone down. Um, yeah, yeah, and also he mentioned that people who experience ego depletion, it's often during the end of the day after people have finished work. And when you think about it, people go and hold themselves up during a 10-hour day of work, get home, experience ego depletion. And when they experience ego depletion of just basically – feeling like they have no control they've they've finished they're so they're so over this 
character that they, they go home, that's when arguments and fights are most likely to occur between husband and wife or partners. And that's just, that's just uh, a big indication as to like um, how much we have to keep ourselves a hold and afloat during, during the day. And then when we get home, like we, we're so depleted. So yeah, it's just, it's a really big thing to, to consider. Hey. Yeah, that's so much knowledge in your head, mate. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm just listening and taking notes here. So I'll, I'll answer this. I'll, I'll, we've talked about this question before, but we'll touch base on it. Um, and it's really good because de- we're talking about what is definition of loneliness and, and putting different cultures, which we really need to understand. And I think the big issue, what I um, got out of what you said as well, and what st- stuck out for me is – I everything's so entitled. So just for a little experience with me, like I, um, you know, you want something, Uber Eats, you want food, you don't even want to go down five minutes down the road, you order something, just quick, want a date, you know, go on Tinder, you know, everything's <laughs> just so like, and, and it's and it's true, like I'm married myself, but like, I know you're in a relationship, but like the parties people go to, and it's just like, I want this and I want that. And I just want to touch base quickly before I get to this question. I went to Fiji twice in about five years for Christmas families with all my families coming together and they are the happiest people and they have yeah. literally nothing what we have. Like they're not worried about the iPhone, of course. the next clothes, the next rip, rip curl brand. And I spoke to this uh, lady and man and one of the elders. I spoke to the elder first out of respect just because what my knowledge of, you know, that culture as well. And they were like, you know, we, they're self-sufficient. There's no I, there's a team. If they mm. want food, they go for a team. They don't just get McDonald's and leave your brother out. Kind of, you know, example, like it's it's just incredible. So I'm really glad that you talked about your experience with India. And I know how um, scientifically um, passionate you are with the facts from, from fear. So my next question is, and I know the world doesn't talk about it. They just talk about, oh, you're sad, anxiety or you're having a bad day, depression, medication. I really want to get in depth about is loneliness a growing problem and why do you think that is when we've got so much Facebook friends, so many followers on Instagram? Mm. Like what's your um, spiel on that? Yeah, I, I totally think it, it's absolutely going up. I mean, if you if you look at Johan Hari and, and he he wrote the, um, the loneliness book, um, what was it? Um, uh, I think it was the, the Lost Connections. Yeah, he, Johan Hari wrote Lost Connections, and that's a bestseller. Um, it, you know, he does touch a lot on why rates of depression and anxiety going up, um, and he does talk. He does touch a lot on on loneliness. But I, I just think that look, if you if you want to look at human beings, and if you want, if you want to understand um, why humans work the way they work. Then, then you have to understand the environment in which people are placed in, because the thing yeah. is, the thing is, is like so often we think about, oh, you know, this is a person, and and like, oh, and and this is this is like where they live, or like, you know, you're Australian, you know, or like you're from here, or whatever. The thing is, basically, we are all a product of our environment, meaning we all come and 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 kind of um spread and grow from our environment. So basically. Um, you know, if basically, um, if you were to look at the, the environment like soil, right. And let's just say that, um, in places like Fiji, like obviously there's still suffering and, and, um, problems going on in in Fiji. They've got a lot of economic problems and it's not a picture perfect society. They still have issues, 
However, when it comes to connections and family and community, if you, so basically if tying it back to, if you want to look at how humans work and how humans operate, you have to look at the environment in which they come from. So basically if you were to look at, um, at our environment as like soil, um, like the, the ground soil that you, you plant things like you plant crops in and trees in and stuff like that. I know it sounds like a bit of a harsh example, but if you were to look at places like Fiji, they've got very fertile soil for planting good seeds of connection. They've got very fertile soil for, um, for planting good seeds of family, culture, connections, community. Whereas in, in Australia, especially in my experience, um, I'm not trying to rip on Australia, but I'm, I'm, I'm basically trying to say that if you, in my experience, if you look at the soil that is planted in Australia, especially in cities like Sydney, what, where's like where where is all the um the the seeds of of community and connections being planted? Well, I see I see a lot of pubs with a lot of bloody poker machines. I see a lot of gambling. I see a lot of drugs. I see a lot of um you know families that have generational trauma. Whether you're from an indigenous background or even if you're from other backgrounds as well, like generational trauma affects so many different people. And I think that we're a country which has succumbed and burdened with, burdened with the feeling of, of inheriting a lot of trauma from our ancestors. Um, and even, even if you look at it from the point of like, um, it's a fact, most Australians are, like a lot of Australians are descendants of convicts. And, and basically, we, we're epigen- epigenetics are a real thing. It's only been six generations since we've, been, um, since we've been, uh, had convicts in this country. And basically, put it this way, just touching on the aspect of like what the stigmatized mind over why um, it's stigmatized for a man to cry. Look at this way. I, I don't have convict ancestry. I'm not sure if you do, but a lot of people do. A lot of people don't. But let's just say that like your ancestors, hypothetically, your ancestors come from, you know, England, Ireland, Scotland, whatever. And they're, they're basically convicts. They're sent to Australia because they committed a small crime. They live a life of fear of seclusion, of basically being constrained all the time. And if they cry, that's a do or die. If they cry, that shows weakness. That shows that they they can be murdered or beaten up or, you know, and even take this back, that's six generations. Take this back, back to when we were jumping out of the trees in Africa, when we were in villages, when we were like traveling across the world. If you were to cry, that would have been a major weakness, uh, which would, which would have been beneficial for our survival. But now We've inherited this stigma when it comes to um, when it comes to mental health, and that's where the stigma perpetuates, especially for being a man, being a male, and and back to the the contrast and blends of uh, of cultures and stuff like that. Like like we are all a product of our environment, and we do come from from where we from where we're raised. So if you want to find out why people um, are experiencing loneliness, and if you want to find out why um, these issues occur. Then basically look at look at look at their um, where they're coming from. Like you know, in Australia, like we've recently um, like I don't mean to touch on politics here, but it's a fact. It's it's it adds to my point. But like the Australian government has just gutted out all like you know so much funding from the ABC. And if if you want to look at culture in Australia, well, ABC. The ABC is is almost like one of the the cultural backbones of this country. It it's it's a it's a platform which is multicultural. They cover indigenous issues. They cover like cultural issues. 
they're, you know, they're very diverse, whether it's a farmer or like an outback Aboriginal child or whether it's like inner city art, they cover everything. And the government has just gutted out the funding from the ABC. So basically, if you look at Fiji, they're, they're, they're surrounded by culture. They're surrounded by like, um, you know, cultural norms. And the thing is, cultural culture is really good because it, it gives you a collective consciousness and, and a collective consciousness, which makes you feel like you're part of a whole which makes you feel like you're part of a massive fabric of society. And, you know, because Australia is a real melting pot of just different cultures, different beliefs, different attitudes, that's great. I love the fact that we're multicultural and I love the fact that we can coexist for the most part. Um, I know we have our issues. That's like um, a, a big half-truth. But um, basically, um, we, you know, it takes years and years and years to – centuries generations to form these collective consciousnesses and i know that in fiji you've got natives there you know uh, you've got indigenous beliefs and stuff you've got um a lot of people from india who migrated to fiji for farming reasons and and, and work reasons uh, a few hundred years ago um and and uh, fiji is multicultural as well they've got hinduism they've got christianity there they are multicultural as well but um basically uh, Australia is a very, very complex kettle of fish. Um, you know, it shows how much we can relate to each other. And I'm sure I've spoken to so many people where it's kind of like, I would love to sit on a train or a bus and just have a chat to the person next to me. And when that does happen, it's very infrequent. It's very rare. But when it does happen, I feel so um, happy and I feel such a sense of humanity. Like, wow, this person wants to have a chat with me. This person wants to communicate with me. This person doesn't want to offer me money. This person just has such a, a sense of community and, and it gives me such a sense of belonging. And it's so small, but it makes me feel so happy. And I am lucky that I, like I said, I live out by the bush. I recently moved to a very smaller community based in um, in, in a, a regional part of Sydney, which has a lot of native bush and a, a lot of like small, kind of like a village type area. And um, I do go to a local cafe and I go to my local pizza shop and there's a the nice Italian family and they greet me by name. They say, oh, hey, Kieran, how's it going? You know, how's your placement? You know, and I'm like, wow, man, that hits my heart. These people are so awesome. And like, you know, you go to a cafe and people chat to you as you're waiting for your coffee. And um, and it's just, it's just like, you, like the thing is, I just think that humans have like um, evolved. Like when you think about it, like – I said, like, yeah, you might be sixth generation Australian, fourth generation. I'm like, um, what, second generation Australian. Like, my family come from Ireland, um, which is a very small town. If you go, if you travel to Ireland, there's lots of small villages. You've got Dublin, which is like a big town compared to like other places and stuff. And basically, the way the way I see it is that like, um, for the past, I don't know. They say I think for the past fifteen thousand years since we've been agriculturalists we've been harnessing the land and animals and crops. Um, you know, we've been living in small town communal environments. So, you know, I've traveled regional India, but I've also traveled regional Spain and Portugal. And, you know, the funniest thing is that when you're traveling through a small village in Portugal um, or like a small Spain, a small Spanish village, it is no different from traveling to a small village in India. Like literally it's no different. The only difference would be the crops they're growing maybe the animals they have, but a lot of them have the same animals. But it basically, you walk into a really small remote village, you're going to smell cow shit, you're going to smell like manure, hay, um, old kind of brick houses and stuff. There are little nuanced differences, 
but for the most part, it's the same. And this this ties back to my um my um uh, idea that basically humans have evolved um, for the past fifteen thousand years at least. We've been living in small communal village type um, agrarian lifestyles, whereas um, and even before that, um, for the past hundred thousand years since we've migrated out of Africa, we've been living in small communal bonds, which is why you have Sydney which is like a macrocosmos, which has like um, different areas of like, um, it, it's a macro city, but within the macro city, you have micro communities, um, you know, and I think that's micro communities go back to our roots as village type people. We're meant to be in small villages. We were never meant to be in major, major cities. That's where the disconnection comes in. You know, I know, wow. I know, I know that um, as a student, I've felt really shitty feeling like a number, you know, like, uh, and I know, I know that you go to regional universities in Australia and people have the whole college experience, the uni experience, people live on campus. Um, even, um, my girlfriend went to Campbelltown university and, you know, as you're driving on the top, you can look down and you can see like this amazing newish campus by the mountains and, and she went there and she, you know, she got to know so many people. She met so many friends. She has such an amazing community. Um, she she, she um, volunteered at the soup kitchen because they do community soup kitchens because a lot of people um, have inequality there and they, they don't have much money and stuff. Whereas I go to a campus in the city, which I'm not going to mention the name of my university, but it's in the city. Um, and I tell you what, I felt like a number. Like I felt like a, a, statistic, a statistic. You go in there. I mean, for the most part, no one really, not many people um, sit around and chat. I mean, maybe in the same cohort and the same degree, but like it, you do not yeah. have the community university experience where I go to uni. You, it's just get in, get out, get in, get your degree, get out. Um, when I started my degree, I was fortunate enough to be with a very um, amazing cohort. Um, I've changed cohorts now because I'm part-time, but like there were so many people, like we, we created a big tribe, like we created a great community, but like there are people who... Yeah, there there are people who who just go in and get out, and I, I know that I've had friends that are like um in other universities in the city, and they feel the exact exact same. Um, I've met people, I've met friends who have studied engineering, and they've gotten to the um in the city, and they've gotten to fourth year, end of fourth year, they've never made one friend. Like wow. how how shocking is that? You've never made one bloody friend, and you know what? These friends of mine, they're social people. They're social. They you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with them, but the, there's something wrong with their environment. So if you're experiencing loneliness, you have to you have to go back and say what's wrong with your environment. Like what's wrong with the, you know. So so often we we think that like where there's something fundamentally wrong with us. But I yeah. I I'm making the assertion there's something wrong with the fucking society with the you know yeah yeah no that's that's very insightful in that space because I have lived in a regional areas pretty much most of my life so i live in brisbane now but like i used to live in Bundaberg and emerald so i went from like 2.5 3.5 million to like fifty thousand people um so i i had i literally went um made new job new friends i did 11 years in a private school in brisbane everything my fingertips and then i had to make myself a new person because it made me who i am today and i was so blessed to have that opportunity And I'm really glad that you touched base on that because a lot of people finish year 12 and they go to uni and, you know, you've got your big universities, like I'm just talking from Brisbane, you know, your QT, your Griffiths and all that, they're fantastic universities. 
But then obviously I'm speaking from Central Queensland University. I've never done a degree. I was doing a Bachelor of Social Work second year from CQU and I felt connected, but I'm very um, extrovert. As you know, I like to face-to-face. A lot of it's online, which I struggle with with my learning disability. And then when I went to Brisbane, I tried to do a Bachelor of Counselling um, and I just I didn't feel connected with a lot of the places. Mm. So... Um, Right now, I'm looking at beautiful backyards, so calming. I'm I'm cramped up in a sardine box in Brisbane, um, and I used to live next to the beach, Karen. As wow. I said, I had 21 k's of pure sand, pure ocean, nobody close to me, and I took that for granted, hand on heart. I took that for granted because I thought, you know, Bundaberg was like, you know, there's no jobs here, even though I always found work, but it was just. It was not that city thrive. And I guess talking about my story, um, I never really got to um, – I just love the city. I love the skyscrapers. I love the fame that comes with it. So I definitely am in that story as well. Um, sometimes we need to go back to our roots. Um, so, for an example, the cafe in Sydney with the pizza, um, the cafe, the knowing your name, you feel connected. You want to be heard. In life, we want to be heard, cared for, and loved. So I think you've got so much um, lived experience in that space, and I think that's made you stronger. And I really appreciate your honesty about COVID because, yes, people lost their jobs, their homes, um, their their sense of belonging. But now everyone is on the same boat. And for you, you went to nature. You went to continue with uni. You continue growing family, friends to more strength connected with your girlfriend more and have those honest conversations. And for me, I don't think COVID has, um, like I lost my job. I've lost every everything that I thought I needed to have in life, but it's made me realize what I need and it's, mm. and it's connections. Mm. It's bringing a mental health platform, what I'm doing here today. So um, it's definitely perspective, the nine and six you're talking about. Um, so in that, in that space, um, what are the really wider issues associated with loneliness? Because you're touching base for mental health, so I just thought I'd ask that question. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, well, it's a really good question because I think that there are definitely peripheral, like peripheral um, parameters that that kind of um, that don't really meet the eye when it comes to loneliness. And I think that, like, yeah, like I've experienced that as well, man. Like I've I've gone through a lot of. Um, you know, like PTSD and, and a lot of times where I feel like, you know, you kind of cocoon yourself in, right. You could, you kind of shut, shut yourself off away. You shut yourself away. Um, and basically, um, relating back to, to Bruce Hood's domesticated brain, like it's a sense of torture, um, people going through solitary confinement. And I'm not saying that I secluded myself off and shut myself off away from the world. Um, and didn't see anyone like I've, I've been with my amazing partner for like two and a half years now and she is just so she is just like an angel right like she's um so community orientated so extroverted like you know and and her community and her friends are part of who she is right like that's they're kind of inextricably connected and um and I've learned so much from her and there have been times in my past where I feel like you know, I might be riding like a really, really tough wave. Um, I might be experiencing some really um, full-on flashbacks or um, just just feeling weighted, 
you know, like yeah. not feeling grounded, feeling uncomfortable in my own body, feeling like, oh, geez, here I'm being vulnerable, tell us, speaking about myself, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's true. Like you, you feel, you feel that. And I think that for me, when I feel that, I think that it's, it's good to sit with it. It's, it's good to, to sit with it and, be, yeah. and feel it. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like bleeding it out. You're bleeding out that suffering. You know, you're letting yourself heal. You're letting yourself, giving yourself space to, 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 to basically alleviate and allow this to come out. And, you know, even in the animal world, you've got um, um, bonobo monkeys and, and you've got deers and antelopes that, that go in tribes um, and, like, they go in herds, sorry, um, they, and they travel in herds. But then there's sometimes... Um, you know, a bonobo or a chimpanzee or um, or a deer or an antelope, sometimes they actually do separate themselves away from the herd just to breathe. You know, like when when a when a um, when a when a deer or an antelope experience trauma, they their body shake. They actually shake and they shake out the trauma and they shake out the suffering. Right, and I think oh, okay. yeah, and I think yeah, really, it's 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 like it's their form of um of alleviate of alleviating themselves from that. Um, and the thing is, we, as complex, highly evolved humans, have this very, very vast um, neural network and central nervous system. And for those who know the scientific backing of trauma, it does leave a physical imprint in the body. It leaves, it, 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 it stays in the brain. Um, you can heal from it, certainly. But it basically, it keeps like your amygdala, like your smoke detector of your brain switched on. It, it, it keeps it. Um, you know, it may, it, it basically puts you into, it puts you into a state of fight or flight and the animals, the animals shake out that fight or flight by like, by, by moving their bodies and, and shaking and squeezing. But for us, we, because we're so sedentary, because we sit down so much and we don't move our bodies as much, we retain that trauma or like, or, or also because the trauma is obviously so vast and we have memories, like we, we, we have consciousness and memories and we can go back into it and sometimes things pop up. But for me, um, a real way that I've tried to heal that um, has been through yoga, um, has been through through mo- moving my body, through hiking, through yoga, um, but also through through connections, you know what I mean? And like, let, let's put it this way, let's be frank, for most people, unless you've experienced some sort of birth trauma, unfortunately, or, or some sort of, um, you know, genetic condition, um, a lot of the suffering, um, like I've suffered a genetic condition, which has put me in like a, a mental hospital in the past, right? But I've also experienced a trauma which has been created from other people, right? Um, yes. And and the thing is, for, for most people, trauma is experienced by other people, right? So other people, whether it's like you're, you're neglecting your children and they have complex trauma or whether, um, you know, domestic violence or, or assaults or car crashes or trauma is mainly afflicted from other people. But, um, and the thing is, I've mentioned this in Breaking Barriers as well, is that the most amazing thing is that even though humans may have caused you suffering and have caused your illness per se, um, humans are also the ones that can heal you. And that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Incredible. So, so the path, humans have the ability to destroy and, dis- and for destruction, but humans also have the, be- the ability for connections and, and for healing. And for me, um, using my own experience to answer that question, Brody, I feel like I have certainly cocooned myself in and shut myself off away 
not not to the point where it's debilitating, but I certainly have sometimes taken the path of 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 um of least resistance um of of actually wanting to basically sit at home and meditate or um go for a bushwalk by myself rather than going out with a group of friends or um sometimes making excuses not to catch up with people because I think that basically sometimes when you go through when you experience trauma you think of worst case scenario rather than thinking of what can go right you think of what can go wrong and that's so horrible you know it's it's such a bad mindset to get in and the thing is these are what we call like maladaptive behaviors maladaptive meaning um you know um destructive behaviors like not helpful behaviors Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can you can change that by the power of belief. Like you can insert new beliefs. You can create new mindsets. So that's that's what we call neural plasticity, which is the power of um, reshaping and rewiring the brain, inserting new beliefs, saying that you can do this, you, you know, you can have connections. Um, and, yeah, like I just think that it's just so important to, like, befriend yourself and really feel comfortable and not only befriending your body. Um, so you feel like you're, you're, you feel comfortable inside this vehicle, you know, like you, and give it good food, give it love, give it attention, give it sunlight. But most of all, give it good, good connections, not shit connections, good connections. That's yeah. Oh mate. Like I I, I said to you before, I'm like, we are not going to, like I can give you four questions, but this can go for more than an hour, which is nearly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm so blessed for for you to tell your story and be vulnerable because I think befriend yourself. Like, wow, that just hit me right in like wherever my heart is. I sometimes go, this is my heart. <laughs> and, and um, for when everything seems stressed, everything seems shit. Like, you know, we'll talk about COVID because that's where the world is at the moment. With everyone, we're not sure. Lockdown, stage two, stage three, back to that. What we can control is what we eat, mm. who we connect mm-hmm. with. So Will Smith, Kieran for Breaking Barriers, the rest of the world have always known this quote, who are your five people that you can connect with and be friends with? If they're dragging you down, if they're not putting you up, if they're not supporting you, um, then you're really not giving your mental health. Everyone's got mental health. And mm. I, I want to say that very openly. Everyone's got mental health. Um, and it's just how we kind of cope with it of course. for me. Um, and I think we need the power and strength back to what we put in our bodies. Like, as you were saying before, like so many people exercising, so many people buy bikes now, um, so many people are really concerned about their health because of COVID. So for me, in your perspective, I think you hit it spot on to the core that we really need to look at what are we doing in our life regardless if COVID was around. Yeah. So are we looking after our body? Are we um, hanging with the right people? So for me, like I'm very, I've got probably four or five friends that I could trust anytime to call and, and be there. And I've got so many connections. And for me, I thought I needed just to, you know, with Facebook, with MySpace, with Instagram, with all these social media platforms, I've never felt so disconnected in my life. Mm. Um, and for me, like, I love that you were, and I'm going to say this and I mean this every word. I don't bullshit a bullshitter. Um, you were one of the many reasons why I started the wellness guy. I, I chatted yeah. to you. I reached out to you and I was like, I listened to Kieran's story and definitely check, check his story out. 
um, and really read it. Don't just skip it because I know when people watch my story, they don't watch the whole video. <laughs> so I want to people. Um, but I was like, this guy is just amazing. He's telling his story. He's, he really wants to talk about those topics that just go, oh, you know, don't talk about that. You know, <laughs> imagine if I did not know you and I sat you on the bus and I said, man, I'm just like, you know, just, I just self-harmed. And you were like, no, you wouldn't. I don't think you would. You'd definitely talk about that and make me feel safe. So I think we need more Kirins, more Brodies, more yoga instructors, more meditationers, more holistic approach to, to overall health because um, I want to touch base with ABC as well. Like I don't touch Channel 7 or Channel 9. <laughs> um, um, and mainstream media, we, we know that yeah. um, the human trafficking in America, like I did not know about that until someone shared that to me of like the 2.5 million people are getting um, abused in that space. Donald Trump's like, anyway, mm. not politics. <laughs> um, and <laughs> reback. And then you're talking about ABC, all this culture about connection. And now, like you've posted about the gambling and the alcohol, um, you know, you're spot on. Like, if we're not talking about this, it's not in our front cortex. I'm like, yeah, holy shit. Like, we've got the indigenous um, land and we're putting towers on yep. it. We're putting, we're kicking them out of their own home. Like, I just thought, mm. you know, you, you've, you've given me a lot of goosebumps talking about what we need to, to, to do. And I think it, we really need to talk about it wholeheartedly and go, because I, my background, I don't know too much about my family, like convict, you were saying, but I know that I've got German clots. It's very, um, very unique. Mm -hmm. So that's German, and I've got um, English, Europe, and a few other places. But for me, uh, moving to Brisbane this year from Bundaberg, and I've lived in Brisbane 15 years, and I live in um, obviously Brisbane in a suburb. Mm -hmm. um, it's so multicultural, and I think. For me, it's really opened my eyes about, you know, people say Aussies are so kind and, you know, I was in the SES and Lifeline with crisis counselling, suicide prevention. I've worked with people with different cultures, but I think Australians, we joke about racism, but I know a lot of people that go, oh, you know, oh, I'm going to be honest, I don't want to not change who I am, but, like, we do a lot of racist comments when we're drinking and we we talk about, you know, fucking settling bludges or, or, or the, they talk about the indigenous. Like I had a really good um, conversation at uni three years ago about an indigenous mental health counselor. And he used to get abused every day for six years about you guys get free everything. You don't deserve this. Like he was getting copied racism every day, mate. Wow. Um, and I just think the world is so lonely. I think it needs to go back to, to the original roots. Mm. And that's how hardly, um, my opinion. Yeah, of course, man. I, yeah, like thank you so much for for all the feedback and sharing your story and and just basically summarizing the whole experience of of loneliness. It's so true, and like that's the thing. Like it's right now. I've got a picture on my fridge, and I'm looking at it as I speak to you, and it shows. Um, it's so what a coincidence. It, it's a it's a picture by um, I think his name's Ainsley Roberts. He's an old English um artist, and he went out to the outback and met indigenous people and, and, and I got to know them so much in the early 20th century. And his art is just amazing. And I ordered a piece of his art and it shows um, like a, a naked Aboriginal man with holding a big spear on top of a tree. 
but then you see underneath the whole root system, like the whole roots. Wow. And I Love might it. even actually share that with um with this podcast as we put it up because yeah, yeah that's that's it's just such a phenomenal art piece and and it shows that like I don't know like I think he's putting his spear towards a dead tree, um but the thing is it shows the roots which go all the way down below, which means that you know the ins and outs of nature, you know the ins and outs of what it's like to be connected to nature and connected to each other and you know um that's what we need mate we need we need a connection to ourselves we need a connection to nature and we need a connection to other people and if we do that and if we fulfill that i think personally we fulfill our souls we fulfill our spirit we fulfill our body um yeah so as long as as long as it's um as long as you have good connections you're you've given your body good food and you have a good mindset that is mental illness repellent 101. That's <laughs> amazing. Oh, 100%. Oh, I feel like I've got a crowd here behind me. I'm like, give Kieran a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to share just quickly as well, um, Tony Robbins, a big, 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 big inspiration for me. I've read most of his books. I just finished his webinar for free under Success Resources. So everyone, if you want to learn about uh, motivation and I'm giving your best soul. He's one of the best coaches in the world. So success resources are the best to go to on the website Australia. He's talking about a plant, right? And this is what you're um, talking about, mm-hmm. the roots. So there was a plant, beautiful flowers, and everyone's like, what do you like about it? Everyone's like, it's beautiful, it's growing, it's nourishing, it's thriving. Mm-hmm. And then um, everyone said those words, but no one actually said about the root, mm. but you can't see it. It's out of sight, out of mind. So Tony Robbins said, okay, I'm not away for two weeks. Um, make sure you love it and look after it. And some people, um, sorry, I've been blocked nose. Um, some people were saying they'll order a gardener to fix it. They're being funny. Some people were saying they'll water it. They'll freeze it, like do funny things. And these were the honest opinions on um, this webinar. But no one actually said about loving it, mm. talking to it, like you were saying about the plants before. Like um, so many people, there's two people, um, two examples I want to talk about. So I'll say John Doe and Mel, random people. So John Doe, let's just say, I'm making this story up. It's got um, it's going somewhere. So John Doe was assaulted, right? Child sex abuse right? And then Mel was abused at the same place, sexually assaulted. Um, John Doe was told that he's loved, he's thrived, he had therapy, he had all mm. this health stuff we're talking about, mm. and then Mel was didn't get that and went down the path of destruction. Mm. So same sexual assault, different wow. outcome. So you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I've got so many clients, man, that have, have had that. So like, I know so many people use their story to inspire others. Like talking about, I've met some amazing people that that are so positive they make me wow. sick. That's how I love it. That's great. That's how I love it. It's so like I'm like stop being positive. Man. I just want to cry today. Like please let me. Like I've got this emotion. The roots, man. The roots. I really. Um, if it's not like so, this book, right? You can see this book. It's called Be Mindful and Simplify Your Life. It's a really cool book by Kate James. I can show you this book. It's small, but you don't understand if you don't read mm. it. So you're looking at a plant and you're trying to figure out like 
how to look after a plant, but you we need to know what the plant's DNA is, what the plant's friends mm. are, uh, how it grows. So very deep. Basically, um, I know, and I, I'm gonna say who I am because people go, this guy is fucking off chops. <laughs> I am because I'm ADHD. I've got so much um, melatonin, serotonin um, imbalances in my life, so. I jump from topic to topic. So I just wanted to say that as well. But focusing on what Kieran has said about the roots and about the trees and about hugging, and it's it's real shit, guys. And I really think we need to have a look at it and research. And don't just watch his podcast and just go, oh, okay, that's cool. Really think about in your life what has gone wrong and why. And you'll really understand the roots of everything. So, um I just wanted to touch on about Tony Robbins because if it's out of sight, out of mind, how are we going to focus on it? Mm. You know, we've got to really respect um, the, the the holistic um, way of life. And I think um, absolutely the way the world, the doctors, man, like we could, I definitely want to get you in and talk about other things later on. Absolutely. In the, in the weeks, but yeah, I think loneliness, we really need to talk about it and, sit with it because I know you've told me a lot of personal stuff about, um, you know, people, you know, in, in, in Sydney, right. I, I went to this conscious training three years ago. There was so much homeless vans. There was Rosie's. There was so many others. And I went in to have a chat and see if I could help. I wasn't, I was just there for two nights and I did for one mm. night and I was chatting, but they were like very hesitant. Mm. And like even people on the train, I said, Hey, how are you today? And they move away. But in India, in other countries, you were saying, you think they're best friends. You think they're father and son. Mm, so exactly. I think that's great insight, mate. You, you smashed it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, back to the roots thing, I just I just want to um, – I think you, you hit the nail on the head so hard there, Brody. Um, uh, you, you just absolutely nailed about, like, basically what I got from you is that you're basically saying that, like, we have such a, a vast, vast environmental um, world around us. We've like friends, family, you know, your house, your living, your situation, your support services. But we've also got a very, very vast subconscious, which is like an unconscious. So subconscious is part of your peripheral consciousness, which you're not aware of. Um, and unconscious are compulsions and things we don't often have control over, which, you know, could be ADHD and all these different things. But basically you are saying, you know, I just want to finish off by one last um, amazing quote just to just to capital off is that yes we can have these the deep deep roots and and find out where we are where we're going um but you know what like i've mentioned the quote in breaking barriers before where i i came up with this myself where i said that when you reach the pinnacle of healing you'll realize there is no pinnacle there is no top because as long as as long as you're on top as long as you're on the path of healing, you'll yeah. always be on top. And and Lao Tzu, a famous Chinese um, philosopher, said that nature never hurries, yet everything is always accomplished. So as long as you know that it's yeah. within your DNA to heal, healing is possible. So like, let's just go on the path and just just know what's right for us. So yeah, thank you so much, Karen, for talking about loneliness. Um, I definitely feel um, connected today as I was really anxious um, with with talking because I've never actually met Kieran and um, I've met him virtually now and I can see what he looks like. So he's not um, someone that's 
you know, not a fake bot, and we always call it Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> He's an amazing man, and we were chatting about loneliness. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for watching this, and I really hope you ask those in-depth questions about your life. No, thanks so much for having me on the show, Brody. I really appreciate coming on and, and good luck with the wellness guy. I think wellness, um, your page has just been so phenomenal. And I mentioned this before, I'll say it again. When you empower yourself, you're empowering other people. And I've watched you grow, mate, from the start. You've just been um, from strength to strength. And, you know, like I know we're always learning, we're always growing, but like it just seems like I've just been seeing you getting stronger and stronger and, and feeling so much more empowered every single time you're, you're doing things because it's the secret to life. You know, when we empower other people, we, we empower ourselves. So thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to collab with you in the future. That's, that, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Kieran.